0: Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Deidre Rodman-Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Welcome to this week's episode of The Song Inside. I'm your host Deidre Rodman Struck, and I'm super excited today to have my friend Lee Feldman on the podcast. Hi, Lee.
1: Hey, Deidre. Lee I'm Feldman. Very, very happy to be here.
0: Lee Feldman. With you. <laughs> Lee Feldman. Every time oh, I yeah. think of you, I think of the song that you wrote called Lee Feldman.
1: <laughs> I did write a song called Lee Feldman. Yes. Part has my social security number in it.
0: I know. It's about identity. Right. We're gonna yeah. be talking a lot about that today, but I think it's so awesome that you <laughs> you wrote a song with your social security number in it. And also part of what I do when I'm trying to help other people write songs is realize a song can be anything at all. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hit them to that song because that song is your name.
1: <laughs> that song is my name, yeah.
0: We could just make yeah. up songs about our names. All day long.
1: Write what you know.
0: Right what? <laughs> exactly? And I knew my
1: social security number.
0: Well, that's more than most people. I feel like a lot of people don't really? even know their social I don't know I my kids. I think a lot of people know their I, I know security. mine, but I don't know my kids and I probably should.
1: Oh yeah, I don't know my kids either. That's All true.
0: right. So you are one of my favorite songwriters and you oh, always have thank been. You. Thank I you so much. Oh, thank you for coming on the show. I haven't seen you in quite a <laughs> while. And one of the things I love about your songs is that you're willing to go really deep with songs, but also you have a sense of humor, which I think is key.
1: Yeah, I like kind of the combination of, of, uh, funny, sad, and also the, the, humor thing is, um, it's a little bit like Tourette's with me. I just sort of like, um, just a break, it breaks, it breaks the flow in a way that I like.
0: Tell me more about, about what you mean by that it breaks the flow.
1: Well, uh, what do I mean by that? I think, you know, both you and I come out of a background, which is maybe a little different from some songwriters and that we come from, uh, jazz is a part of our, and improvisation is a part of our musical makeup. And, you know, with improvisation and with free improvisation and and all kinds of improvisation, it has to do with being in the moment. And sometimes, you know, there's so many things going on in your head at the same time that sometimes humor or just shifting from one thing to another can keep things immediate. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's to me... Uh, Where where humor comes in sometimes, yeah.
0: I like that. I love using humor too. And then I have a friend who told me once, don't rely so much on humor. And I thought, what if (laughs) I'm going to rely on whatever I need to rely on to get by in the world?
1: (laughs) Exactly. And humor also sometimes is getting at truth that, you know, if you sort of, uh, that you might not feel comfortable saying in, you know, in, in, in a serious way. And sometimes humor can just sort of be a a way of opening up that. I know?
0: I love that. I remember yeah. one time I went to see this artist. I'm not going to name who it was, but it was a somewhat yeah. famous person. And yeah. they were so engaging and funny with the audience and real. And then when they ever they sang, they were so earnest to the point. Right. Of, it just there was, and I'm not. I don't have anything against earnest music. I love that too. I love authentic earnest stuff cheesy stuff even but there was such a disconnect it felt like such a facade because I didn't get any sense of who this person was in their music
1: and I was like oh
0: what happened to that person that was just talking they were so cool
1: exactly yeah and I think sort of like going back and forth between different things you know between humorous things and absurd things um, gives people a, a at least it gives me a feeling that this is more authentic, right? Yeah, and I hopefully it gives other people a feeling of that too. Um, and uh, you know, we're not all in little boxes,
0: <laughs> except l- except yeah. lately that we're, lately on Zoom we are. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, so tell me, I want to. I actually don't know very much about how you came to music, so I want to know if you can pinpoint it and some people can't, but when is the first time you realized I have songs inside me and they want to come out? When, when did that happen for you?
1: Um, I took a kind of circuitous route to songwriting. I was a classical kid. I grew up in uh, New York city. I was, I, I um, had piano lessons when I was a little boy on the upper West side. And then I was into classical music uh, more dutifully than anything else. I mean, I, you know, um, I don't know how into it I was, but I was a piano player. And then, um, but, you know, in our household, like in our house, my my parents listened to folk music, like the Weavers and classical music. And then the Beatles, Mm -hmm. you know, were really... I think the Beatles, the thing about the Beatles, anybody who grew up when the Beatles were around, that was just so exciting and so imprinting on everybody. I mean, it was just, it was magic. You know, even if I didn't feel like I was a songwriter, I knew that these guys were magical. Wow. And that the albums were magical and that, you know, it was just, it was like going into a magical world. And I think anybody, and so, you know, I I continued with music, but even though I wasn't a songwriter as a kid, I think I was just always drawn to that so much, you know?
0: Right. And they probably just by osmosis entered into your brain and swirled around in there. I
1: I remember when Sergeant Pepper, I, I, so I was like, Eight years old when Sergeant Pepper came out. And I remember you know you just opening up that that was like the first time I saw a double album and looking at the pictures, and it was so colorful. And uh my favorite song at the time was for the benefit of Mr. Kite, mm. which makes sense for an eight-year-old kid. Make,
0: <laughs> it makes sense actually knowing out. you as I know you now, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But uh just the the um It was it was psychedelic, you know, even though I wasn't uh, taking drugs at that time, um, you know, it just blew my mind, blew my little mind.
0: I'm kind of envious because I, I still feel like I haven't had my Beatles phase. I didn't hear them growing up. Right. And then I didn't really hear them in college. And Uh then I moved to New York in 1997, and I finally started listening to them. So in a way, it was kind of exciting because I was getting late to this thing that everybody already knew about. Yeah. But in a way that that it was kind of bits and pieces here and there, and I never kind of got what that was about until, I don't even know, maybe like five years ago when I started really listening and realizing – oh shit like this is this is what everyone's been talking about, yeah, so I kind of came to it to it late, but in a way, I'm still discovering it, so that's kind of exciting
1: the, it, the music's there, yeah, the songs are there, the but I can't are there.
0: imagine having that around as you're growing up and imprinting on you and affecting your songwriting for your whole life. That's very, very cool because they were doing such cool things with songwriting, like crazy things
1: crazy things and um, but at the same time inevitable things you know what do you um, mean by that no, well so um, to me I, I, I thought about this a lot like what makes a great song and you know also we're both piano players and I'm a piano player and always you know and I've been playing for over 50 years now and um, as a matter of fact one of my piano students said to me you're pretty good how long have you been playing I said I've been playing over 50 years he goes you should take a break <laughs>
0: <laughs> going to say, he was going to say, you should take more lessons. <laughs> gonna be like, you should take a break. <laughs>
1: you like, yeah. take a break.
0: Did yeah, you no, tell him? Right, I take
1: uh, a break. But anyway, so uh, yeah, I, I, but um, yeah, so, uh, so piano, what was I going to say about piano? Oh, right. So, so teaching piano, and I've taught piano. I'm not teaching right now, but I have done a lot of teaching. And one thing that's interesting about teaching kids is even in the 2000s, 2010s, kids still want to learn Beatles songs. Which makes you think, why do they want to learn Beatles songs? Well, you know, I think because those songs are great, and you know, and 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 of course, greatness is subjective. Any anything about art is subjective. But you know, I thought about it a lot. Like, why is it that people want us to learn these songs, and what is it about songs? What is it about songs that I think are great? Um, And so, to me, it's this combination of two things, which is freshness and inevitability. Mm. the freshness meaning you haven't really heard something like that before and it's like whether it's a chord change or whether it's a certain kind of way that they go into the bridge or something like that but then the inevitability part is like it really has to be that way like Mm. the song has to be that way if you change it it's going to get worse wow and so with the beatles like you say they were doing crazy stuff yes they were doing crazy stuff but It all was like, it was like this dream where everything just worked. Like, and it was just fantastic. I love that. I love that
0: freshness and inevitability. I feel like as a songwriter, I'm always trying to remember the inevitability piece. Because if I start second guessing myself, it's like, oh, well, this has too many phrases or... I shouldn't go into this key here because that's yeah. not what people normally do. But if the song yeah. is telling me it wants to go there,
1: the to- yeah.
0: it's hard to sometimes get rid of all this noise of like, oh, about Deidre, this and that, and just let the song be what it is.
1: I think that you, you hit on something right there. I think it is very hard to get rid of that noise. And I think um, that's really one of the challenges. I mean, I guess some people maybe just are, you know don't have that, but I think most people do. And, you know, in your intro, you were talking about everybody having the, you know, something inside of them, the song inside of them, and, it, I, and that might be true, you know, um, but how do you get to that, and how do you let yourself uh, write that, and, 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 and that's not so easy to do.
0: No, it's not, you and know, especially you- almost, it's almost harder, I think, if you've grown up going to music school. Because then, you know, I went to North Texas, which is an amazing yeah. jazz
1: school. Jazz school, right. But
0: it's like, you know, I think I got a B in improv because I was tapping my foot. <laughs> it's right, like, right. and I didn't use whatever mode of the whatever mode. And I was just. I, I had one you student
1: know, who said, I, who's told me, he goes, yeah, I don't want to learn any Freudian modes.
0: <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> Freudian, Freudian modes. Mode. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's write that mode. Yeah. I guess we're writing yeah. that mode every day of our
1: just <laughs> in <Imagine rubbing> that <laughs> mode. Yeah. So, yeah, but I know you're right, though, about knowing, um, you know, how do you get, to, if you're a trained musician, how do you get to that place where you're just going to um, reach for something which you might not understand,
0: Right, I almost envy yeah. I think children are so good at that. I was teaching piano once to this family on the Upper East side.
1: Mm-hmm. There was
0: four kids in the family. They were it was a pretty strict family mm-hmm. where i I entered through you know the the household help entrance, and I didn't really mm-hmm. engage with the parents very much, and this kid was taking he was five, and he wrote the most amazing badass song. About right. flowers. He sat right. down, he yeah. was improvising, and he sang it, and I was floored. I called his mom and I said, You have to hear this song. Yeah. And she dismissed it. She just she was like, What? That's nothing. And walked away.
1: Just taken the kid and stolen the kid. <laughs> yes, how, exactly.
0: That's what I should like have done. You
1: raise him. <laughs> just like just kidnap the kid. That's it. He's in the wrong household.
0: And I wanted to say, do you have any idea to the mom oh. how pure how hard Terrible. Uh, we work to get exactly. back to this space where he's just totally in the flow, not yeah. judging himself at all. And, yeah. we, and this was even before I think I had my iPhone. So like I didn't record it or anything, but I tried to from then on just inc- be as encouraging to him as I could and say like, you are amazing. You have a song, muse inside of you, you know, all this stuff. Who knows how he's probably like in college right now. But who knows mm-hmm. how that Ended up, but I don't know about you. I'm always working to get back to that place of non judging.
1: Absolutely. You know, you, you, uh, I can totally relate to what you're talking about. And, um, you know, and it's, um, so, for a lot of the songs that I've written it's been pretty easy in a sense in that I I do a lot of improvisation. And when I'm in a kind of a improvisatory flowy kind of state, sometimes just something comes and then it sort of comes together pretty quickly. And, but when, but there are other other songwriters who are very good and disciplined at like um, writing songs you know they have their notebook and they do and i'm i've never been like that and so um you know i would like to be more disciplined and i'd like to be more consistently productive but things sometimes happen as they happen and that's a little bit like what you were talking about and i think what a lot of people think about who want to be songwriters who are our songwriters is how do you um you know be productive and at the same time be fresh and 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 have it be fun that's another right thing. you know i know for myself
0: during you the know? pandemic in particular i there were i don't know i feel like a whole 9 months went by where i just mm-hmm. could not get to the keyboard get to the piano do write anything. It was like every ounce of my creative energy was being taken up, just existing and keeping my kids alive. And I felt so guilty and had all this FOMO because there are all these people who are doing what I'm doing now. Like I started a podcast. I started a live stream. I'm writing a concerto or whatever it was. And I kept thinking, I just can't right now. And then my friend finally said, um, are your kids alive? It's like, yes. She's like, great, good job. That's your job right now. Don't exactly. worry about it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think that, I think you can't, um, you know, there, there are plenty of songs in the world. There's plenty of art and, you know, the world doesn't necessarily need it. It's a question, but the, you know, what the world does need is great stuff, you know, and, um, and great art. And so, you know, if that's for me, I love to practice. That is my thing that I love to do. I, I I recently became a social worker. I think I told you that. And I recently became a social worker. Mm-hmm. So I have a job and um, I like my job and that's great. But then I come home and what I really love to do is practice. And I like to practice uh, Bach. I like to practice Indian. I, I took some North Indian vocal lessons a while, long time ago. And I practiced North Indian vocal exercises. Wow. And then I practice, um, technique. I want, I want to get my left hand to mm-hmm. be like, you know, uh, more fluid and, and, and legato. And I work on that. And then I work on jazz stuff. I work on voicings and, you know, the way I look at it is I love to do this. It's not like I'm doing it for any reason. It's not like I have a gig that I'm doing it for. I just like to get better at it.
0: Yeah. I and, I love and that. I
1: figured like, you know, okay. So I'm not gonna beat myself up on it. You know, if like that's what I'm loving to do, I'm just gonna do I'm not hurting anybody. <laughs> and um and although my you know, my kids hear me practice all the time. Exactly, <laughs> but you know, aside from that, you know.
0: I and, I feel like where do we even get this idea that we have to do such and such or we have to write a certain number of songs by this time or it just, that's it's just exactly. it's totally made up. It's it's fiction.
1: It It's fiction, exactly. But at the same time, if you can, you know, if you, well, there's a lot of different things. First of all, as you say, if you're raising your kids, if you're doing what you have to do, if you're being a responsible person, that's really enough. And especially these days with what's going on in the pandemic and everything like that, there's so much that people have. So if you're just living and if you're reasonably happy, you're taking care of stuff, that's really great. Um, and putting more stuff on you that you have to do isn't going to do anybody.
0: I like how you said that you found practicing though, because I was, I've never been a big practicer. I think partly that's because I went to my undergraduate was in piano performance and pedagogy. And so it was like, you had to practice. And I secretly wanted to be this jazz musician, but I didn't know how to get there. Right. I was, I was, you know, going in plus my technique has not, I have small hands and I, learned sort of a bad technique of collapsing my bridge when I was younger. Oh, and so okay. it made playing things like, I remember there was this Schumann piece that had tons of octaves in it and I didn't know how yeah. to have a loose wrist. So my, then my arm would hurt and I would be borderline right. getting tendinitis. I would right. want to like just lay it under the piano and go to sleep. But now that I'm released from all those expectations, the thing that's gotten me back to music during the pandemic is Beethoven. I've been yeah. sight reading all of the sonatas and I'm super oh, slow. God. So Do like that. I'll just so I have this thing on my um little note board in front of me and it says jump and it's j for journal, u for up and out, get out of the house, m for music mm. and p for people, like talk to people. And also for mm. piano, I would just like if I just touch the piano every day as a healing tool, not even like I have to do this or that. And my piano is in the middle of the house. So my kids totally hear me too and interrupt me. Yeah. And for some reason, I think it's because it was Beethoven, A celebrate it was his 250th birthday or something recently. I don't know what.
1: Well, but- let's see. It would have been, he died. Let's see. He was born in 1770. So yeah, it would have been 200 and 200. 50 years yeah, old. Yeah, last year. Yep. So
0: Carnegie Hall, all these, peop- all these places were doing a Beethoven celebration. Yeah. And so I went and saw some of those before the shutdown. And I was like, I'm just going to play through these. Yeah. And it felt so good because I didn't have to impress a professor. I'm not like having to produce content because my brain couldn't do the content producing. Yes. And I just – let myself play them so imperfectly because and yeah. some of those slow movements are really hard it's like subdivide 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 subdivide
2: yes. <laughs> yes. so,
0: but I really made myself I'm like I don't I have all the time in the world right now I'm gonna yeah. play a page of this slow movement and I'm actually gonna go one e and a two e and I'm gonna count it out
1: absolutely it felt
0: very comforting which surprised yeah.
1: me Absolutely. And I, 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 comforting, I can totally, I, again, I can totally relate to that. And, you know, I don't know if if uh, this is getting off topic, uh, you know, because it's not maybe necessarily about songwriting, but...
0: There's no topic here, really.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, that's okay. Because, <laughs> that's the secret. I mean, the, where I am, um, yeah, I'm really into um, uh, working and getting better at stuff and, and doing what you're enjoying doing musically Mm -hmm. and creatively, and following that and really honoring
0: that. Well, if this Mm -hmm. time has taught us anything, it's that truly life is short. You never know. You just never know. I'm going to be 50 soon. And I feel like I was talking to another friend, a classical musician, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: she's going to be 50 as well. And she was saying, I kept thinking, oh, I'm going to do all these things. And suddenly it's like, we're here. This is it. it. This is our life. Yeah. Like, we've arrived yeah. at our life. That's right. And we don't That's know right. what tomorrow is going to bring. So, we have nothing to lose but enjoy our life. Like, do what makes us happy. Yes. I don't want to be like, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I could get COVID, or I could live another 50 years. And yes. I don't want to live it trying to impress anybody or be the next. I used to have what I called a Nora Jones complex where I was – I love her so much. Yeah. And she came up kind of in the scene partly that I came in when I joined the songwriter scene. And I used to want to be her so badly. Right. I "I just want to be her. I just want to be her. And I thought the reason she's her is because she's completely herself. No one at that time was doing what she was doing. Absolutely no one. She was just herself. But I feel like it's taken me a long time in my life to know that – I just am supposed to be myself. That is my job and enjoy that my life. That is your
1: job. That's that my job.
0: job. Enjoy my life. Be myself. Yeah. That's exactly
1: it. Exactly right. That's right. And yeah, I think there's a lot of um, musicians and, you know, I with me, it's not Nora Jones. With me, I'd say it's probably Bob Dylan, mm. who I have just um, that, I guess it's envy. Like, boy, I wish I was Bob Dylan. You know, he looks so great. He's so, he's a genius, you know, and, um, and, uh, but that's okay. I think that's, I think that's cool. I think it's just like, you just have to accept that. Like, you know, you have these people who you just, um, who really just mean so much to you. And that's, that's okay. Well, there's
0: always people, if it's not, it's also people on Instagram, like moms who seem to have it all together and I don't cook at all. And I finally, like, I don't really care. I've come to terms with it. I just don't. And I'm not interested. I don't want to learn. Like, other people can cook. My husband can cook. It's fine.
1: But Wait, you don't want to learn what? Say that again. How, how to
0: cook. Like, oh, I don't do you, know how to cook you, at all. Oh, like, I don't. Yeah. Oh, okay. And people are always saying, well, you have kids. How can you not cook? It's like, I live in New York. It's very easy to not cook, actually. And also yes. Ben cooks. But, you know, you see people out in the world. They're living these lives. They're seemingly juggling everything with ease. They're parenting, and they're doing this and that, and they have these Instagram perfect posts and all this kind of thing. So I think there's always going to be people who we wish we were,
2: That's but it's so
0: much more fun to just be ourselves.
2: Yeah. I know I'm like preaching to the
0: choir, and probably everybody who's listening has heard this a thousand times, but I want to actually talk about the song you brought today. Okay. Because I don't really know much about it, but... One thing that I like about your songs, as I've said, is that I really feel like I know who you are in your mm-hmm. songwriting. I feel like you've stripped away a lot of the extra stuff, and it's just stories. They can be funny stories. One of my favorite one of your songs is the Hippie Store.
1: Oh, Hippie Store, yeah.
0: <laughs> just you know what goes on in that store in the basement. I want to talk about um, it. Like-
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's scary. We don't though.
0: know. It's scary and a song that I brought later um also feels very real to me and when I first heard this song I remember everything
1: right oh, yeah.
0: yeah i um I've forgotten
1: everything
0: oh sorry I, no it's not what's the song you i remember the night so i, I remember, remember the night, night. I remember, I remember the night yeah um it's the imagery is so compelling so what mm. when I asked you to pick a song that took you from maybe a dark space to a light space or got you past something? Why did you pick this song?
1: I picked that song because um so it's a song about the night that my parents told me and my brother that they were splitting up. Mm. And I was 13, I guess. And my brother was 6. And um and the song it's just says exactly what happened it's you you know uh, but actually it doesn't say exactly it doesn't say that my parents said that they were splitting up it says everything but that mm. um, but I think people understand what it's what it's about and um, I think the reason I chose that is you know it's such a um, seminal, thing for me I mean in my makeup I guess you know maybe kids of divorce have that or maybe not but anyway it was for me and so when you said like a a song if there if there's a song that that song has a psychologically important part in my life and um and I kind of think it might be I wrote it very early um I probably wrote it in my 20s um probably early 20s and I think it was my first really mature song so maybe mm. that was one of the things I was thinking about it that was really my first song that I really I, the, probably the earliest song that I wrote that I still perform and when I recorded it I actually recorded my brother singing it wow. um, so he's he's singing the song yeah
0: do you guys get along? we do that's we nice do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we get along. <laughs> I talk to them every day. Yeah.
0: Oh wow. I talk to my sisters almost every day. Yeah. I didn't find them till three years ago, but I didn't yeah. know I had sisters, but now we talk almost every day. Yeah. And it's always nice to I, I'm always happy to be reminded that siblings get along just since you have two boys. I have two girls. Yeah. Just, you yeah. know, sometimes the fights they can get into are rather epic. Yeah. Yeah, They still love each other. They're going to get along. It's going to be fine.
1: They're going to be fine. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's listen to the song, I Remember the Night.
2: I remember the night. I remember it well. I remember how my brain. I remember the night I remember Mom said, Boys, come in the living room. Me and your daddy got something we want to tell you. I remember the night. I remember.
0: I just want to sit with that for a second. That song brings up so many feelings for me. I'm not a child of divorce, mm-hmm. but I think every person can relate to a time when they received news of something that changed them forever.
1: Yeah. I've actually had, um, a few people tell me, uh, there I remember the Mm night's stories after hearing that song. And it's some, some really intense stories. And it's, I think just like you said, I think a lot of people have something that happened to them like that. Um, and I, I think that's another reason why I chose that song because, you know, your thing of like everybody has a song inside of them so that everybody had, most people have some sort of story like that yeah. inside of them. Like something that really happened, which is like, you know, changed their lives.
0: And I feel personally is it, as a songwriter that one of, what as songwriters, one of our jobs is to remind people of the things that they can't speak about, that they don't necessarily want to remember, but that are in there to sort of crack crack ourselves open, to crack people open a little bit, so crack that they people open yeah, a bit. so Explain. that they can begin to heal from those feelings that maybe have sat inside for a really long time. And one of the things I love about that song is that you keep repeating the phrase. I remember the night, I remember the night. And at the end, you switch it up, but it keeps drawing you back in. I think that it's hard to face these uncomfortable feelings. It's super hard. And sometimes we want to turn away, and and at the end you shut the door, but not until you're reminding us that you remember every detail. Right. Every single detail.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What did your brother say when he heard this song?
1: You know, I don't remember because it was so long ago. So I'm, you know, you say you're going to be 50. I'm 61. Mm-hmm. So I wrote that song um, probably 40 years ago, maybe, Wow. you know, and so I don't really remember. And I didn't record it, though, until 2012. Mm. Um I performed it a lot in the eighties and nineties, but I never recorded it in two thousand until two thousand twelve. Why do you ago.
0: think that was?
1: I don't know, you know. Um I don't I don't know. I mean I knew it was a good song and I knew, you know, I knew it was an important song. Um but uh it just didn't I I, I, I just didn't feel right on the other albums. but you know I don't but in answer your question I don't remember what he said the first time you know my brother has always been so he's six years younger than me and Mm -hmm. he's really talented Um, you know he's in the film business now and but he's always been a really talented musician and he's always been like a a chronicler of my songs. He remembers every song I've ever written he that I don't the remember. Song, he remembers the song. He remembers all of them. He remembers all of them. He said, like, oh yeah, I remember this. You wrote this. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. So he's, uh, so I, he's always, yeah. So I don't remember what he uh, what he said, uh, what he thought. He was too young at the time to remember what I did that night. Mm. He was only six or seven, so right. He, he, he has no memory of that night, I don't think. It's really powerful
0: um, hearing him sing on it, though. Right. I, the last episode, I interviewed my brother who I found through, you know, finding my birth family. And I had him sing on a song wow. about me finding my birth mom. And I there's something so powerful about having somebody who shares an experience with you to actually yeah. sing the words that you wrote. I think
2: it's- exactly
0: kind of a, amazing and transformative and it doesn't always get to happen that those people yeah, get exactly. to participate in the process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it does for me, it, um, you know, the, the thing about like writing good songs or making good art, I do feel like it um, connects with, with, with I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say what we were talking about before about humor and about doing what you like to do and about uh, about writing about things that are important to me that's what I like in good art like something that really feels real to me and feels meaningful and feels uh, like uh, you know like I oh that's a person who has like three dimensionality to them Mm. and I can kind of like I can fit my own craziness into not fit into that, but it just somehow resonates. Right. And so, uh, um, yeah. So I think I'm drawn to that in, in, you know,
0: I would wonder if that also is maybe why you decided to go into social work. What sort of spawned that decision?
1: Well, a lot of things, I mean, to be really honest, I mean, um, you know, making a living as a musician or as and as a creative person is very hard wait you know, what I was, this is news <laughs> I, know, I know well when I was when I was a kid or when I was younger I don't know about you but everybody was just oh you can be a musician that's really hard one I was like ah no nah, but they were right you know it's like <laughs> it's hard you know and um and so you know I was getting by, but I really felt like I needed something more stable and both stable economically and also stable just like I go to a job every day and do something and come home and get a paycheck right and um but I didn't want to do like something that really had no meaning for me and so I decided um i go to social work school. So at age 59, I went to get my master's in social work. And I did. <laughs> and I did that two years ago. And now I'm a full-time social worker. That is great. rad.
0: I uh, Somewhere on this fancy yeah. new gear I have, there's an applause button. And I don't know where it is. But if I found it, I would push it right now. <laughs> and I would give you a room full of applause.
1: Applause. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Hey,
0: Yay, social woo! worker.
1: All right. All right. You go, man.
0: <laughs> I... That makes so yeah. much sense to me. And actually, Ben, my husband, knew that before me because I think he's. I'm not always following up on stuff oh, the on way that I should be. I something
1: about Yeah,
0: it, yeah. I, I more yeah. am now because I'm, you know, just am. Yeah. But Ben was saying, You didn't know that? I was like, Oh, I yeah. didn't. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. But yeah. it makes perfect sense to me. I was not surprised yeah. at all because I always. Yeah. People can even tell, I'm sure, just listening to you now, you help people find the truth about themselves through songs, through social work, probably through parenting, probably just in your daily life. And I've always enjoyed the conversations we've had because you're willing to go places with me in conversations that not everybody's willing to go to. It's not always just like a surface thing, you know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a really good fit for me. I I really love it. I I love the population I work with. I, I work in what's called supported. I don't want to but it's it's called supported housing so I work with people who are formerly homeless mentally ill Mm -hmm. um, dealing with substance abuse older people and yeah and I love it and um, it's interesting and you know it's a good job because you're helping people you know you you solve people's problems and you go home and you know it's like oh you did a good thing you know
0: I love that
1: yeah it's good
0: yeah it makes a lot of sense for me and it also makes me really happy knowing that I I tend to feel a lot of sadness just in general, like sort of existentially for the world at large and how much everybody's hurting all the time and you could never help all of the people. So if I know there's someone like you out there helping a population of people that really, really needs it, that just makes me feel better about life in general and also about my life. So thank you, Lee. I want to, um, sorry, go ahead
1: no, I, 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 I'm happy to do it and I enjoy doing it. And there's always going to be, you know, there's also the, other part of it is there's, there's work out there for people who are willing to help other people, you know? And, uh, and um, so that's, that's part of it. And uh, yeah. So, you know, there's the other thing, which I think kind of connects with what we were talking about before too, is like one of the reasons why it took me so long to go back to school is there's this thing of like, well, I'm an artist, I'm a mm. musician, I really, if I go back to school, that means that I've given up, you know, or that I haven't really succeeded. And when I found out it's kind of like bullshit. It really, it is. It's like, you know, and I thought, well, if I go back to school, man, I'll be so old and people, nobody gave a shit, you know, nobody, I'm oh, sorry, I should be, but nobody oh, no. cares, you know, Fine. nobody cares. It's like, well, okay. you know. Yeah. I, that's and, what
0: I wanted to highlight is because I think it's, grave that you pivoted in your in your life I think it's important for people to know that this we're not stuck in we've only made these boxes for yeah. ourselves we put exactly. ourselves inside of them it doesn't have to be this or that or black or white
2: does you are a to.
0: musician that will always be true and yeah. you're a social worker that's also true and you're probably a hundred other things
1: right exactly it's a lot of other things and, so, and everybody is. You know, and everybody is. And, um and that's like, you know, that's cool. That's great. And, and it's the world that makes us like, you know, you have to be this, you have to be this, this kind of music, this kind of music. It's like, fuck that. You know? Yeah. I think we're. Sorry. Okay. I said curse. Okay. No,
0: me. I told you you could curse. No, oh, we, we're okay. going to put the E, little E next to the podcast. So right, right. people know what to expect. Oh, but exactly. I, I think that yeah. it's conditioning I don't know if it's if it's different in other countries, but, you know, for me growing up religious, I was either in this religion or I was out of it. I was a good girl or a bad girl. I was a jazz I, pianist I, I or a
1: jazz I didn't know that pianist. about the, you, were, you were raised. I'm I was Mormon.
0: raised Mormon. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like there, and I don't think it's just Mormonism or just Catholicism or just any any religion. It's, no. I think it's just sort of inherent in and maybe it's generational. I'm not really sure if people growing up today feel the same this or thatness that maybe you mm-hmm. felt or that I felt. But even going to, to school, it's I can be a jazz pianist or I can be a classical pianist. I can be a jazz pianist or I can be a singer because I'm a woman and I felt like going to school, people didn't respect the women singers the way that they did the women instrumentalists. So even when I went to grad school, I hid who I was. I played it down. I dressed like the guys. I didn't, you know, I, I just wanted to be one of them to be respected. And yep. it, it's it's so upsetting because can't we all just accept who we are and get along? <laughs> it's
1: not right. It's, it's true.
0: There's so many parts to all of us. And I just think what a vibrant, more vibrant world it would be. And I understand I'm also speaking from a place of privilege. You know, if I was a black person, I would not be able to go outside my door without always knowing the color of my skin and how that affected the way people thought of me going into stores, all that kind of thing. So I know that me saying that, oh, I wasn't thought of as a jazz player because I'm a woman, that's speaking from a place of privilege. But I do think that every single human being growing up with influences around them has that sense of being labeled. Yes, and fighting against those labels.
1: I think that's exactly right. I think, I think that's a very common thing. Um, And, uh, and yeah, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a heavy thing and it's, you know, it's a heavy thing for me and I'm sure for a lot of people too. And that it's one of the things that um, I think kind of drives me towards making, Art and um, um, is to is fighting against that stuff, although I don't think it's, yeah, anyway,
0: right. (laughs) I want to play the other song that I've picked, and I actually want to before we talk about it, I'm just gonna play it, okay? So, this I will just say that this is a song I've returned to over and over and over again, and um, okay, here it is.
1: changing the walls and the buildings are falling down and none of the people are staying just me and my Sarah remaining just me and my Sarah evening the women were wearing their dressing gowns and I could hear one of them saying just me and my Sarah remaining just me and my Sarah remaining What used to be up in the airs on the ground, and where in the building that no one has found, just me and my Sarah are.
0: I feel like the whole first part of this podcast, we're like, humor, humor, humor. <laughs> right, right. And then the like, two songs, the heavy songs are really heavy. I have never asked you, I don't think, what this song is about, but I want to tell you what, what, I, what it brings up for me.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Before that, though, I want to say that I love how you use the piano in the song, the different textures of the piano to evoke. It, it reminds me of the wind in the trees, sort of the, right. the piano flourishes. Right. And I, I, oh man, I just I love the way you play piano. It's so awesome. good. <laughs> um, so this song reminds me of nine eleven and after nine eleven, for me, just being in the city and the feeling that uh, that we're all coming together, but the buildings are are falling, and it's, it was so hard for me to find solace after that time. And this song brought brought me that
1: yeah well it's weird because it was written before that mm. written before 9-11 but certainly when 9-11 happened um and i was uh living in brooklyn um and and you know we uh could smell the yeah uh weird smell for weeks and um the
0: papers were floating the papers on the were very
1: street, yeah. uh, intense but, uh, no, I wrote it before that, but then after 9-11 happened, it definitely had that resonance for me too. Um, what, what I, it's, it's about for me, I, you know, I, I sort of followed it, um, followed the story, like in my mind, like almost like watching a movie. So that's how I think I wrote it. But I, I think, um, I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn from 1987 to 2013. And I probably wrote this in like, probably around 1999, 2000, something like that. And it was, Williamsburg was just changing so much. There was all these younger kids coming in and people and and the stores were changing, you know, one business and it would come and then another, they would shut and then another would come. I was just in my little apartment with my wife, although we weren't married at that time. And just this feeling of being in a city where everything is changing all the time. And I was just living my little life and everything's going by. You know, that was, I think the thing that I, that, that was, there was the feeling was I, I was getting at, it. That's beautiful. You know, and then, then when 9-11 happened, and there was, it brought this other dimension to it. Um,
0: but that's very evocative, the feeling of being in a place that nobody's found and all this other stuff is happening. I was talking to Clover, my nine-year-old, yeah. about this yesterday, literally, because we went into the coffee shop and I was saying, I don't know anybody anymore. In the coffee shop. This happens all over New York. And she was feeling a little sad that certain things close and other things open. And I said, that's the nature of this city. Exactly. It's always changing. It's always changing. But you – then we went to Coney Island and they didn't have the – they don't have the log flume ride there anymore. Right. And I said, you know what's great though is that the two of you remember – The log flume ride. You'll always remember that feeling and how you'd ride it first when you got into the park. And you can tell other people, if you have kids, you can tell your kids about when I was your age, they had this amazing log flume ride at at Coney Island. And But then maybe it'll be something else, but we leave a little bit of ourselves in those places and those places become a part of us. Yes. So that song is so... Beautiful. I, I feel like the title has a double meaning that you're remaining there and that the city's changing, but also part of you lives on there and through the song now too.
1: Yeah, I guess so. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, certainly what, what that wasn't a conscious thing, but I think I, I can see that too, but yeah, it's just that feeling of, you know, things moving so fast and things changing so fast and that rate of speed doesn't, really relate to what i'm feeling inside um and also the feeling of like an inner world which isn't reflected in the outer world or it feels Mm -hmm. like it's not you know yeah
0: Yeah. so good so good i want everyone to check out all of your music so there's a lot of places they can find your music because it's, it's not all heavy music and it's, it's not. Indeed, so- there are also songs in which Lee Feldman sings his name and social security number. When he talks about going to the hippie store, he's got a bunch of new stuff coming out. So, tell me about what you're working on these days.
1: Well, a few different things. You know, I mean, I, as we sort of alluded to, I um, uh, write different kinds of music, and I'm involved in different kinds of music. So, for example. Just one week from yesterday, I'm going into the studio with a group uh, called Mantic Trio, which is Chris Moore, who is a wonderful songwriter, and Rob Price, who's a guitarist. And we're. it's totally improvisational.
0: Mm, awesome. <laughs> it's
1: the piano, guitar, and drums. And it's really pretty intense and pretty crazy. And we've done one album, and we're going to do another album. And so I'm doing that. Um, and then uh, Song Rise, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I have all these, um, like about 30 or 40, actually there are many more, but that I really like these snippets of songs and I'm trying to figure out how to flesh them out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, um, like I'm, I'm also like a student, I'm trying to figure this stuff out to myself. I have all these snippets of things. I'm trying to figure out like, what, what should I do with this? How do I make these into an, an album? How do I make this into a story? How do I flesh this out? How do I, you know, yeah, So uh, that's what I'm doing. And I have these little note cards and I'm rearranging them and trying to figure that out.
0: That is really cool. Do yeah. you, are you sort of documenting this process or will we just find out about it when it's done? Because I know you have a newsletter I mean, that goes out.
1: Yeah, I do have a newsletter that goes out. I haven't really been talking about it that much. This is the first time I've mentioned anything
0: about that's it. That's exciting. So, yeah. I love that you have – people's processes are so cool. I feel yeah. like, like novelists sometimes have – writers have these little note cards and – put them all around sometimes I do little post-its or you know I am a real pen and paper kind of person so I just scribble things out in my in my, right, notebooks and my journals um so they can find you at social name six on instagram yeah and social name my on web, twitter
1: my website I have a new website which has just been uh just now out Woo-hoo. now it's um leefeldman.com
0: And everything is on there.
1: Like everything about me and like connections to everything. And that's probably the best place to go.
0: Okay. LeeFeldman.com. And can people sign up for your newsletter there? Because I love getting your newsletter. Your newsletter is so cool. How long have you been doing that newsletter? A while.
1: I've been doing that a long time. I started doing that, I bet, in like 1992, three. I
0: love it because it's, especially in the beginning, it really feels, felt like, a newsletter yes it was news from the hood yes (laughs) Yes, exactly like i didn't know any other musicians who were doing that and i don't i still don't no (laughs) to this day (laughs) for good reason probably (laughs) then there was that gig we did where everybody was lee feldman
1: yes everybody was you
0: that was a cool concept
1: that was the B. Lee Festival. I the decided I was, so that's when I was turning 50. That was like a little wow. over 10 years ago. And I was turning 50 and I decided to do a B. Lee Festival. And like, I was going to, instead of B. Lee Feldman, I'd let other people be Lee Feldman for a while. And I would fran- I, try, I figured maybe I could franchise myself, but that didn't really work out. <laughs> but that was an idea anyway. And um, we did a concert at Joe's Pub. And had other people perform my songs.
0: Yes, was- I liked being Lee Feldman for a day. It was right. really, it for was really day excellent day. to be you for a day. Yeah, for a day.
1: You
0: went <laughs> for I don't know. It seems pretty cool being you. That's Thank you okay. so much for coming onto the Song Inside and talking to me uh, about this. I love talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you all day because there's so many different directions we could go with talking yeah. about this. Do you have any advice for people who are? They know maybe there's a song percolating in there, but they just are a little bit afraid to let it out.
1: Well, I mean, you know, if they found somebody like Deidre Struck to help them, um, I think that would be the most amazing. If they, if they somehow could find her on, They're
0: gonna think I on social that. media, oh my and
1: then God. they could reach her, and maybe Dee maybe Dee Struck could help them, okay. and said she's she's a, she's a goddess of a human being and a musician, and okay. this will allow them to, the song will emerge, and the world's going to be better for it. So that's how I would Please, say just find somebody like Dee Dee Struck to okay. help
0: I did not ask him to say that. <laughs> I'm totally right. I'm very red right now. Lee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, now I know if I ask people that question, I should, ex- I should be, su- expect to be surprised by the there answer. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you again for your generosity, Lee. And I it can't wait to see you in person on the Same other side. Year. And maybe we can play songs again together. That to would that. be really nice. All right. Everybody take care and thank you for joining us on the song inside.